Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Welcome back, friends, to Unlocking Your World of Creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and this is the podcast where we talk to creative experts around the world to get their insights on what inspires their creativity, also how to organize their ideas, but most of all, how to gain the confidence and connections to get their work up and out into the world. And if you're a creator, an author, a small business entrepreneur, you know that there's a lot of different marketing channels out there that are competing for your attention, uh, but also competing for your utility. And we're going to talk today about a very important part of that media mix, and that's press releases. And we have an expert who's, I think, Mickey, you said 100,000 press releases for like 10,000 companies. My guest is Mickey Kennedy. Welcome to the program, Mickey. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's going to be a great conversation, and we're going to cover off on why press releases. We'll talk about how to write a great press release. We'll talk about some resources for you to get those releases out there. So it's going to be a practical and productive conversation. So Mickey, why don't we just start with that basic question? Why press releases of all the sexy social media and e-marketing tools that we talk about these days? uh, Press releases are a good basic kind of staple, aren't they? They are, and they still work to this day. You know, journalists uh, review their news feeds and see what's out there that they could potentially write a story on. And, you know, press releases are a very democratic way of, of getting your messaging out in front of journalists because they really care about, you know, is this a story that's going to resonate with our readers rather than how much money you have? So you can be a small company and leverage the same or more uh, media coverage than a really large company. It's just, is what you you're announcing going to be relevant to uh, an audience's is it what they want to hear about? And that's something that, you know, a lot of my clients don't always do. They, they write a release and they're like, well, this serves me because this is something we want to promote, but they don't look at what is in that release that is relevant to the audience that ultimately you want to reach. And what can you do to position that release a little bit better for that audience? And is there a good formula then? What makes a great press release? Well, uh, I I know a great press release when I see it, uh, <laughs> and it's generally something that's really you know newsworthy, something I haven't heard of, something that just is like, wow, is that even possible? You know, I think that's why startups do so well because so many startups to be funded and to go through the startup path, they have to be doing something different than everybody else out there. And there's no reason that any small business can't use that model. You know, what is it that is your unique selling proposition? What makes you a little bit different than everyone else? And then how can I capitalize on that to get my messaging out in a way that, you know, speaks about the the truth of me, you know, doing something a little bit different than everyone else. At e-releases, we have a USP as well. Uh, You know, all of our releases go out uh, nationally over PR Newswire. It's a custom national distribution with them. We're the only person that offers it. And, uh, you know, it just happened by them approaching me years ago and said, hey, we see that you serve small businesses. You're emailing your press releases directly to journalists. Wouldn't you want to also include Newswire service? And I'm like, my clients are paying $200, $300, $400. You're charging $1,000 to move a release out. Um, So we talked. Um, I actually went and visited them and saw that they had an editorial office that was open 24-7. And I'm like, is it? 
busy overnight? And they said, no, uh, we actually get a lot of strife about having one or two editors working overnight because they're not doing much. They're waiting for that Fortune 500 company that sends that $10,000 multimedia release in the middle of the night because they have a recall or something happened or an event in uh, Asia or something like that. They just have to be there. And so I said, why don't we set up our releases so that you work on them overnight and schedule them for next day distribution. So we tried to pair it so that it wouldn't cost them any additional labor. And as a result, you know, we're able to offer at a very small price, the email distribution that we do, as well as the uh, newswire distribution over PR Newswire. And, you know, it's, it's the best of both worlds because emailing directly into a journalist inbox, if they subscribe to you or, or they're expecting it, they're, you know, it, it's, it's very visible, but also there's the power of the news feed. And a lot of journalists love to look at the industry feeds by it's by headline. And as a result, your headline's the most important part because, you know, if the headline speaks to the journalists, they'll click through to read a little bit more and hopefully, you you know, turn that into an article or something about you. And, uh, you know, for those reasons, when you write a release, I would say focus on your headline, uh, focus on your opening sentence and paragraph, because, you know, just like the headline clicked through uh, to read uh, the press release, that first sentence's job is to get you to read to the next sentence. And the same thing with that first paragraph to keep you going and provide all of that information that, that a journalist needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey, the very practical stuff here. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I think about uh, my experience, both, I guess, on the journalism side and on the ad copy side. Well, what a, what a balance to try to <laughs> walk on a press release, because you do want to have that attention getting, you know, unique message that, that gets the writer's attention, but you don't want to sound like an ad. How do you find that balance? Trial and error is probably the, the biggest thing. Sometimes if you walk the line and you're a little too hypey and you know too much marketing, it turns the journalist off. Uh, we see it sometimes with headlines where people think that the headline is written for the reader, but it's not. It's written for the journalist. And so leave the quirky puns, uh, the New York Post style headlines for the journalist, right? <laughs> uh, and you just focus on getting the objective uh you know, an, uh, you know, major highlights of your announcement into the message and, 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 and try to incorporate that into the headline as well. Mm -hmm. And then I guess on the distribution uh, side of things, Mickey, uh, again, I, I've done press releases and I've, I've fallen into the same trap where you say, well, I already sent that press release out. You know, <laughs> the right. world must have already seen it. I can't follow up on that. What do I do now? But uh, you, you have a little bit different approach. Right. So for me, uh, there's always the milestone releases. So if you have a new product, you certainly want to do a release about it. You have something that's major going on at your company. You want to make sure that's uh, gets its own press release. But a lot of times uh, people are hunting for an idea and what they go to bat with is not very good. Uh, we get a lot of releases at e-releases that are about personnel changes. And outside of maybe one trade publication in a local newspaper, no one's going to really write about your new director of HR. That being said, you know, there, there are exceptions. Like you got a, a major coup with a new president of the company who's really hot in the industry or something like that. That makes sense to get out there. Uh, but if it's just a, an average hire, it's not going to do very much. And if you're going to pay the money to send something out over the wire, I always say you want to fish with your best bait. And so for me, 
work on your strategy. What's the strategy behind the press release? If it's just a personnel announcement, I would put it on hold or the back burner and not issue it as a uh, press release that you pay to transmit. Maybe you could send it individually to the trade publication and to your local newspaper. Um, you can search for them. You can call and ask for an email address. People are willing to do that. You can follow them on Twitter. Uh, a lot of journalists love Twitter. So there are ways to, to reach these people. Um, and for me, I feel like a more strategic approach would be um, the, you know, to use a survey or study. Uh, the media loves numbers, they love stats. So if you can produce a, an industry survey and come up with some quirky questions, because my clients that do studies very well, always ask one or two strange little questions. Like uh, if you're interviewing auto repair uh, shops, uh, you might have a question that's just open-ended. What's the strangest thing ever left in a person's car? And you would be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised to know that a lot of the articles that then get written are 10 strangest things left in someone's car. And they'll, they'll mention the study and other stuff in there, but they lead with that because that's quirky. It's like, oh, a boa constrictor, you know, <laughs> grandma in an urn, things like that, yes. that that happen. And people like those stories. There's an entertainment value to it. So um, to anybody who says I'm not newsworthy and I have nothing to announce, I say, put together a really good survey. Um, you can send it out to your customers, your leads. Um, generally, you need 100 or more respondents for the journalist to pay much attention to it. Uh, but if you know you can't get those numbers on your own, you can reach out to a small trade association and say, could you share this with your members? Could you share it online? And often they will. And in some cases, they may want to partner with you. And you could co-brand the survey between the two of you. That gives you a little more credibility when you do the press release. Um, that you're, you're more likely to get uh, some media attention as a result of that. And the people that I have who do surveys and studies, they do, one of them is uh, a company that, that does rankings of different industries. And they do 30 to 50 surveys a year across each industry. And they've gotten it really good. And so they've been a great uh, you know, test case to see how to do this properly. And they're really good about asking the relevant questions, but then they throw in those uh, couple of oddball questions that really resonates and gets people excited. And mm -hmm. that's something you can do anybody, no matter who you are um, and, and get some media attention. Another thing that works really well is trying to figure out what are the blind spots in your industry. I had a carpet company in New Jersey with a PR budget, and I felt like all we were doing was just robbing them every month because we were sending releases out and nothing was happening. And so we sat down and had a conversation about five months in, and I, I came up with who their enemy was, and it was the big box home improvement stores. And I said, tell me more about that. And they said, oh, these are the challenges of marketing against them, and this is what we do. And I said, we should do a press release on that. And they said, well, nobody in our industry talks about marketing. Well, boy, do they want to, because we did that press release and we got picked up in 10 floor trade publications. Neither one of us knew that many existed. There was a couple that were new to them and uh, they got requests for more articles uh, on marketing. And it turns out that that was a blind spot that in those publications, they weren't addressing marketing and their readers loved it. They said they got, uh, one said they got more positive feedback from the first press release we sent that they turned into an article than they'd gotten in the entire past year on anything else. And so, uh, you know, you can sort of look at that uh, and, 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 test, you know, is, is this something that might resonate with the audience that they're not 
getting and I can be the person who delivers that to them. We did subsequent releases on marketing that did very well uh, after that, just because we became the go-to person willing to talk right. about you've, marketing you've and found the challenges. The angle. Yeah. Right. Well, and I love the fact that you say, you know, you would look at your work and say, I don't really have that much that's newsworthy, but by creating the content rather than just reporting, you know, the updates, you really find it a different angle, aren't you? Right. That, that's true. And sometimes it's just even your opinion about things can be relevant to the industry. Uh, I always tell people if there's nobody out there that's really saying something counter to the industry messaging, that's a great opportunity to go out there and be the contrarian. Now, that being said, you don't want to ever say anything that would alienate you or make your customers feel like you're a quirky or strange person. But there's ways to come across and sort of, you know, put a position out there that counters what everyone's going with. It seems like right now everybody's going with electric cars and saying that's the answer. But, you know, you can come across as very level-headed saying, hey, I think this is a great goal, but I'm not sure we're there yet. The minerals used to make the batteries are not environmentally sound. The mining practices aren't very labor friendly. And we haven't really developed a way to take these batteries at the end of their life and, you know, not put them out in the landfills and cause more environmental problems. And that's like a contrarian approach, but it's completely level-headed and uh, it's a way to get yourself out there in the industry. Because, yeah, I see what you um, mean. It's like you can be uh, provocative without being sort of argumentative or just right. a naysayer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's interesting you know, you're talking, Mickey, too, about the various outlets to say something different to uh, magazines versus newspapers versus blogs versus trade publications. You know, they, each one of them has a maybe different angle. Right. I don't necessarily target one type of publication over another. I feel like if you have the right messaging, you generally get picked up across all different types of them. Uh, I would focus more on trying different, um, you know, hooks and angles and just see who that resonates with. Uh, in the example of the carpet company, they ended up getting picked up in their daily newspaper in New Jersey talking about marketing. And so it, when it resonates, it generally resonates across the different publications. In the case of the carpet company, um, they, I, I didn't know what they were going to do with all of these floor trade publications picking them up. And what they did was they created this book and they take it to all their clients when they go out and give them a quote and they go through it with them and show them all the places they got media attention. And they started winning 20% more bids because of the credibility, the, the reputation that they had. No one else that was going to their houses and giving them a quote was showing this. And as a result, they were also started to charge more. They used to try to come in two to three percent less the what they thought Home Depot and Lowe's would quote and you know after that they started you know uh, you know giving them a more uh, a quote with more profit in it and explain that you know we're going to give you a better pad than um, Home Depot and Lowe's and our uh, installers are salaried they make benefits um, the person who installs today your floor will probably be here in a few years where as opposed to at Home Depot and Lowe's they don't even know what company is going to come out to your house uh, and actually do the installation so uh, you know it, it's one of those things that they had been saying but it didn't resonate until they had the credibility and backing of being in print that the people said oh when they say this you know I, I'm I'm I, I believe it now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really believe this company is a little bit different than everybody else out there. And that's yeah. kind of what happens with that implied endorsement that happens when someone turns uh, your release into an article. Yeah, that's very good. 
And I guess, you know, thinking about small businesses, you've been describing a couple of local businesses, but, you know, you might also be speaking on this podcast to authors, uh, studios, small uh, independent practitioners, and they might be thinking, this is great, but I don't really have a big PR budget. You know, what, what should a person be thinking about when they think of the investment to put behind press releases? I always tell people, if you have the budget for it, spend it. If you don't, then don't fret, do what you can. And for a lot of people, you can do a local approach yourself. When people call e-releases and talk to one of our editors and say, I just want to reach local media, the first thing we tell them is, well, the last thing you need to do is pay us any money. Because in your local market, there's probably less than 10 people who would write about you. And we're including TV and radio here. So you have newspapers, maybe a local business paper. Uh, There might be some radio programs that spotlight businesses from time to time. Just do your homework and figure out who covers businesses my size and like me. And then, you know, get their information, whether it's from Twitter, whether it's their email address. If you call and ask for an email address, they will give it to you. A lot of people are really feel like there's some magic to that, but it, there really isn't. And then you just reach out to uh, these local media and introduce yourself. And if you have something to announce, you just say, hey, I, I thought I would share with you that we just recently did this. And I'd, I'd love uh, to talk to you more about it. And I say, you know, Try to stay in touch with these journalists, you know, as it seems natural, uh, I would recommend at least quarterly and, uh, you know, send them an email and introduce yourself and, and what you're trying to announce. If you don't have something to announce, but there's something that's really trending in your industry, you could just share that as a tip with them and you're not promoting yourself, but maybe they'll remember you next time that you provided them a really helpful tip in the past. And that's a great way to sort of build a connection and a relationship with them uh, that you can hopefully leverage later. That works with anybody. So uh, if you don't have the budget for PR, you can go out to the trade publications or the, the publications you feel you have a really good shot at and do the same thing, Make build that relationship get that email address, you know, uh, you know uh, tweet to them on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, it can be done on a localized level. And, uh, you know, it, you, you don't get the opportunities that you could uh, going over a newswire, but it, it is something that you're in control of and that you can do yourself with no money. And that's what I always recommend. I mean, when you, when you don't have a big budget, don't overextend yourself try to do what you can within your means. And I feel like doing it yourself is completely appropriate. And, you know, people do really well with that. That's the same way that PR firms build relationships with journalists is just interacting with them. And that's Mm -hmm. something that anyone can do. And it's amazing over time, you'll begin to see the same companies again and again in your local newspaper. And it's because they've established a relationship with the writers and the writers just feel like, oh, we need a small business that, you know, uh, uh, the, the founders, uh, a U.S. veteran or something like that. And they remember you and they'll just keep going to you for those opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, Mickey, before we change gears, I want to be sure that people know how to connect with you. Folks, my guest is Mickey Kennedy. His company is e-releases. How can we reach out to you, Mickey? Well, um, e-releases.com is my website. All my social media is on the lower right. You can reach me, I think, most easily through LinkedIn. But if you have any questions, you can go to the website. You can chat with one of the editors or give us a phone call. We don't have any salespeople. So the only people you'll talk to are just editors. Uh, There's no commissions or incentives. So if we feel that you're not a good fit, 
we'll, we'll just tell you just like I did that carpet company. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but they turned out to be, to do really well with PR and it worked really well for them. And they've made a lot of money by, that was their idea to put that big brag book together. And that's genius because I didn't think the next level of how you could use that uh, credibility and get it in, uh, to, your, to your customers and, and use that to, to win more conversions. Uh, I also put together a a masterclass recently that's free and it's about press release strategies. And it's about these ones that almost anybody can do like the survey and stats, like being a contrarian. I go through seven or eight examples like that, that anybody can do. Uh, My goal is to get my customers to pay attention to it and hopefully learn from it. But that's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's completely free. If you go through it, it's less than an hour. You will know more about press release and PR strategy than many of the small PR firms that use us uh, that send the same releases about the new hire and the other types of releases that aren't very strategic and probably aren't going to have a much, uh, you know, favorable outcome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. We'll be sure to access that. Uh, Let's go to, I'll call it chapter two of our interview, Mickey, and that is your own creative path, your own journey. How did you decide that uh, this is what you wanted to build and pursue? Interestingly, when I worked for the telecom startup 24 years ago and fell into PR path, I was going to graduate school in Northern Virginia. Uh, I was pursuing a master's of fine arts and creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. I kind of assumed I was going to wait tables and uh, until I realized I just didn't have the legs or mind for it. It uh, <laughs> psychologically took a lot out of me waiting tables. And uh, I went and transitioned into an office job and I I just saw opportunity, uh, you know, from faxing press releases 25 years ago to the efficiency of email. And that's what got me really interested in building a database of subscribing journalists and developing these relationships with journalists. Fantastic. I, I love the story. And Mickey, there's a note on your website that I love that you could stand your own against Emily Dickinson in an MMA cage fight. Why, why do you think you could take on Emily Dickinson? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I just was trying to come something a little quirky that was relevant for poetry, but I, I do think I'm a pretty good poet. And I, I do think that Emily Dickinson, as great as she was, uh, I think that my images and what I do could definitely give her a, a, a round for her money. I think there's a lot of great poetry being written today. Um, it, it, we're, we're not great consumers of poetry t- uh, this day and age, but there is a lot of great poetry being produced. Well, I'd love to get your uh, referrals on that. I'll follow up with you and I'd love to put some in the show notes because I think people are looking, as you say, we, we may not be good consumers of it, but maybe we get it, we see it, we read it and we say, oh, I could improve my acceptance of it for sure, but the inspiration that comes from it even better. Well, listeners, I hope you've gained some insight from this interview. I know I have. Uh, I've been doing press releases. I've been doing a lot of the ones that make you say you're wasting your time on as well over the years. So I've learned a lot myself from this interview. Mickey, can't thank you enough for the conversation. Thanks for having me. It's Mickey Kennedy of eReleases. You can find him on eReleases.com. And be sure to take advantage of that masterclass he described. 
Thanks for coming by our podcast. We'll continue our virtual around the world travels. I mean, just in the last few episodes, we've been to San Antonio, San Francisco, LA, Baltimore uh, area today. And we've been in Amsterdam. We've been in Johannesburg. We've been to Bangkok. We've been all over the world talking with creative experts about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they get the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. So we'll see you again on the next episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book. 